Welcome to the Revolutionary Health Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Center. I am a licensed clinician in search of how to live a meaningful and healthy life. I challenge both traditional and functional medicine ideologies in search of truth and wisdom. I allow room for curiosity and always keep an open mind. I enjoy deep conversations with my guests, giving them a safe space to share their research and personal observation, as I feel both equally contribute to the body of knowledge and human experience. Note that the opinions of my guests do not always reflect my own, whether I share that openly or not. And of course, the podcast is for educational purposes only. We do not offer medical advice. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for some intimate and unique discussions about finding wellness in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Revolutionary Health. I am your host, Stephanie Center. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Today, I am interviewing one of my all-time favorite people, Jen Trevick. I have a small circle of friends in the wellness space who I surround myself with uh, because they are smarter, kinder, wiser, uh, and more creative than I am. And Jen is part of that small inner circle. Uh, I'll introduce her a little bit better once the episode gets rolling, uh, but I really love the way that Jen explains concepts. And today we're really going to break down the topic of willpower and motivation. Uh, I think a lot of people underestimate the power of, of willpower in their own healing journey. Over the years, I've kind of learned how to identify those people who I won't work with, honestly, because I feel like they've already decided in their heads that this isn't going to work for them, that they, their bodies aren't capable of healing. And anytime I run into that situation, my heart, my heart just kind of breaks a little bit for that person because I know I could help them if they were in the right mindset to heal. It's almost like they've, um, kind of got themselves spiraling down and it's really hard to break somebody who has just kind of already made their minds up that, you know, they can't be helped. Today, specifically, we're going to define willpower and define motivation. I think definitions are really helpful here. We're going to talk about willpower in terms of a cup that needs to be refilled and kind of how, you know, different ways you can do that. Uh, We're going to talk about willpower in terms of internal and external locus of control. Um, and again, we'll give def- more definitions there to kind of help you paint a picture in your head of, of kind of how these, these ideas, these uh, ideologies kind of work. We're going to talk about those who use willpower most effectively are the ones who use it to remove decision-making. Gretchen Rubin and her podcast, she talks about this a lot, about making something really easy for you to do that you know, promotes a behavior that you want and making something really hard. So like in my house, we set the Wi-Fi to go off at a certain time. So we make it really, really hard to continue to watch TV or use the internet. So you got to go downstairs and turn the router back on or, or um, turn, yeah, turn it back on because we have it plugged into a timer. Um, so we make it really easy to not use internet at night because we turn ours off. It's automatic. Um, So that's just kind of an example. We're going to talk about how distraction can increase willpower. We're going to talk about uh, motivation and desire. Uh, 
in terms of the law of inertia um, and the five second rule. Jen also has some really great tangible things you can do. You can, you know, you can take with you from this episode, some techniques that you can use to kind of check in with yourself and develop a good, a good strategy for changing behavior using your own willpower. So I know a lot of people complain about not having willpower and we'll kind of dive deeper into how you, you do have that. You just have to access it. Yeah. She's got some, some really great tips and tricks for us. So, uh, no housekeeping notes for me today. Thank you all for participating in my smart swap emails. Those are really fun. If you're not already a part of that, you can join my email list by clicking the link in my um, show notes. I'm still offering my one-on-one sessions with lab testing, and I'm also offering individual sessions to see if I have any openings or if I'm full, you can just click on the link in the show notes and you'll either be directed to schedule a time with me or to hop on a wait list. Um, let's see. I think that's all. All right. Well, please help me in giving Jen a warm welcome. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to revolutionary health. I am your host, Stephanie center. And today we have one of my favorite people, Jen traffic. Hi. Hi. (laughs) I'm sorry. I couldn't be quiet. I'll be quiet now. Oh my gosh. Don't be quiet. (laughs) This is really hard because we're friends. And so, you know, anyways, that's how it goes. But I met Jen actually uh, the first time I had her on the podcast. Um, So if you want to scroll back to season one and listen to our episode on blue light, that's really interesting. uh, The different ways that that impacts your health, kind of in insidious ways that we, you wouldn't really think about. Um, So that was an awesome conversation, fell in love with Jen at that conversation. And we've been friends since. And if you're not familiar with Jen, just know she is like a jack of all trades. She is a health coach. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to be awkward for a minute and just sing your praises because you are one of those people who like, I have no idea how you do it all. I have no idea. I don't know either. (laughs) On any given day, it's a toss up of what I'm working on or what's happening. I mean, okay. So if you're listening, Jen, she, she has her own business. She has her own podcast, which is doing amazing Um, salad with a side of fries, which I will link in the show notes. Uh, She like works on legislation and she works on like continuing ed courses. I don't, you're just, you're always developing and working on something that's really hard and really creative. Um, So yeah, things show up and I just keep saying yes. And we'll see what happens. I sort of joke that I'm just throwing noodles at the wall. I'm like, something's going to stick. <laughs> uh, really, though, a lot of things are sticking and I'm very fortunate and it's been an amazing ride. So, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed getting to know you and kind of the, the things that you're working on because there are things that matter. There are things that are going to impact people's lives. So anyway, well, thank you. And the feeling is mutual because this is like the mutual admiration society. Like. <laughs> Um, so today we're going to talk about a subject that I've become really interested in just since opening my own practice and that's willpower and motivation, because I think that those can be make it or break it things for people. You know, if you, if you were to ask somebody, well, what's the difference between a person that gets well and a person that doesn't, 
I would say determination, you know, willpower, mm-hmm. motivation, th- like those are some of those X factors that your doctor is not going to talk to you about when you go visit. And, you know, most practitioners don't talk about it. It's, oh, we found these pathogens. Here's how you get rid of them. Nobody's really saying, well, what, like, what is your commitment level or what, what's motivating you to want X, Y, and Z. I know Jen works with a lot of people with weight loss. So Mm -hmm. asking those questions behind, well, why do you want to lose weight? Well, so I have the energy to bring, you know, take my kids to the playground or, you know, there's always kind of that, that bigger picture. So anyways, really excited for this conversation. Jen, is there anything that I didn't, that I failed to mention when introducing you that you wanted to, to shout out? No, please. I mean, you guys will find me all the places salad with the side of fries podcast. I'm at Jen Trepic on all the places on the interwebs. So you'll find me. But I think what you started to talk about with willpower and it's like, it plays into our business lives. It plays into our personal lives. It's Mm -hmm. our health. It's like everything and motivation too. And the the bigger thing, I love what you said about, you know, our doctors aren't going to talk to us about it. I also think that what we've been told about motivation is, you know, Mm. just as much BS as everything else that, you know, we've been told in a lot of things. But the other side of that is I think when people feel disappointed in the results or the outcomes or they they want the thing, but they're not necessarily doing the things to get there. Everybody always says that what they're missing is the willpower. What they're missing is the, oh, if I only had the willpower or they'll look at somebody else and say, oh, you're so good. You have so much willpower. And it becomes this like identity thing that I think is really misplaced. Ooh, I want to dive into that some more. Okay. So backing up, how would you like, what's your definition of willpower? We'll just start there. Yeah. So I think we, the most helpful definition of willpower is self-control. Okay. So if we think of it as self-control, whether that's controlling our thoughts, our emotions, impulses, right? Or even controlling performance, it's really about self-control. And I think there's two key things that everybody needs to learn or understand about willpower. One is that it is a finite resource. And two, it is the same. I talk about willpower using like the, an image of a cup, right? So we have one cup of willpower for every task and area of our life. So there's a cup when it's empty, if we don't refill it, it's empty. So the whole thing I think is for all of us to understand what depletes, like what drinks from that cup and what refills that cup. Mm. So what would be, what would be an example of something that would deplete that cup? Honestly, every decision we have to make in (laughs) any area of life drinks from that cup. So any piece of self-control, right? So it's no coincidence that breakfast is an easier meal to have on plan in air quotes, right? Than the afternoon ride home when maybe you drive past, you know, a Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, those half off donuts are calling your name, Mm. right? Because by the end of the day, if we haven't strategically refilled the cup, 
There's nothing left in that self-control cup. So, you know, any decision we have to make drinks from the cup. Stress drinks from the cup. A surprising one, multitasking drinks from the cup. Oh no. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I know we're all like, oh no, we're doomed. Low blood sugar, right? So this is one that happens all the time, especially with weight management. In my world, people are always trying to use willpower to not eat. P.S. Don't do that. That is not proper nutrition or science, but that's what we've been told, right? Eat less, move more. So people are all trying to use willpower to not eat, but we actually need to eat to have willpower. So Mm -hmm. it becomes sort of this like paradox or catch 22 or whatever the right phrase is, (laughs) you know? Um, But there's even research that shows court cases, judges, Like if you're a lawyer, you do not want your case before the judge right before lunch. You want to be first thing in the morning, first thing after lunch. That there was a study where like those who, I think it was like prisoners for parole and those who were appeared before the judge before lunch, it was like, or late in the day, I think it was like right before lunch or late in the day, got parole like 10% of the time. And those who were early in the morning or right after a food break got parole like 60 to 70% of the time. And it's because like our ability to think and see what's possible and be, you know, less impulsive or less nervous or intimate, right? Like we have better thoughts, (laughs) you know, we feel more in control when we have some fuel in us. And there's all sorts of hormones like PMS, right? Can impact, although um, it's not all about women in those hormone phases, right? But basically our hormones can impact how much much willpower we have. Even men, like men generally, their whole cup of willpower tends to be smaller than women's. Interesting. You know, feather in your cap, right? We don't (laughs) sleep. Right. If we don't have sleep, that idea of self-control is way more difficult. Wait, let me let me go back to yeah. the blood sugar and ask to make sure I understand yeah. this right or the the maybe the thought process behind it because I I think it makes sense. So are you saying that if somebody's blood sugar? So, like for instance, like to like a real life example, I try yeah. not to go to the grocery store when I'm hungry. Totally. Same thing. Because I don't the decisions that I make when I'm at the grocery store tend to not be as healthy when I'm, and I just know that about myself. So like yesterday, my husband and I went to the grocery store and I said, you know what, let me eat before we go because I'm hungry. So, so if you're like the blood sugar, you know, context, if your blood sugar is low, are you saying you're more likely to go for that three o'clock Dunkin' Donuts? Correct. Because you don't have gas left in your willpower tank because your blood sugar is low. Okay. Correct. And it's, it's, there's that piece of it. There's also blood sugar components to it, right? Cravings are greater, just Mm -hmm. more directly tied to blood sugar where 
we don't necessarily want to go to the grocery store on an empty stomach because all those sugary foods look even better to us. Right. But I think the interesting piece or sort of the underlying piece with those court cases was that when our blood sugar is low, our default, right? When we're not, when we don't have the self-control, you know, or that cup of willpower to use, the default becomes about maintaining the status quo and creating safety, right? It's like that underlying Mm -hmm. fear safety thing. And so if our objective is to maintain the status quo and have this personal safety, our willingness to take risks, our willingness to do anything that's slightly uncomfortable, right? Talk about being a business owner and an entrepreneur. (laughs) So much of what we do is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And as a sole proprietor, you know, we are often every piece of a business, it looks like we have a room of a hundred people, right? But it's all us. And so, especially considering we might have to do those numbers things that aren't our strong suit. And if we want to attempt that, right there, we want to make sure we have that cup of self-control to be able to stick with it. Even, you know, Jen is speaking directly to me. I'm not saying no, but you're not, we are all, I am speaking to myself, (laughs) you know, I've just been going through a nightmare with QuickBooks and I'm like, (laughs) somebody just tell me I'm stupid and I don't understand, (laughs) but, but yeah, you know what, even just, even in that silly example of QuickBooks, like my, like I will reach a point where I go, okay, this is the most amount of time I can spend on this today. And then yeah. I need to be done. And for me that, I think that really relates to willpower and, and, you know, maybe my QuickBooks is somebody else's nutrition plan or, yep. um, you know, so willpower is, it is kind of this, like, I feel like I've been saying the word nebulous on the podcast way too much, but I feel like <laughs> it is kind of a nebulous term where it, it, it can wear many hats under different contexts. Right. But it's actually so chemical. And I think that's why, like, if we start to think about it as something that is chemical, that is very much in our, I'm hesitating to use the word control because I don't love that word Mm -hmm. or that phrase, but like, we're not powerless. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot that we can do. And the biggest piece of talking about all these things is to recognize what are those personal willpower depleters for each of us. Mm -hmm. And then also what works for each of us to refill that cup and what works for every one of us is, you know, potentially different. And by the way, what works today may not work tomorrow. (laughs) And, you know, that's all totally fine. It's just about understanding it for ourselves so that we're not left feeling like we have some fatal personality flaw. Yeah. Because that's not it at all. You know, but I think we've been told that, especially, I mean, going back to the motivation thing, you know, like we think there's something wrong with us if we can't motivate to get off the couch Mm -hmm. or we're waiting for lightning to strike. Like we're supposed to feel a certain way to start something or to do something. And you know, the biggest piece on that front, I think, is that the action actually comes first. You know, motivation can keep us going, but it is not what initiates. 
And so again, if we look at that as saying, okay, I'm going to use my self-discipline to start and mm-hmm. the motivation to continue, you know, then we're, we get to a place of saying, okay, <laughs> I can do this, you know? So is that, so I'm trying to think of examples because you did say it's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. But like examples of things that would fill that, that, yes. that willpower cup you is, are you saying act first? Like that's something that will fill. Yeah. It depends what action, right. Um, but oftentimes we can, we've seen it in our lives where sometimes we have to do the thing before we realize we can do it. Oh, I like that. Right. Like we have to start moving in the exercise to feel like exercising. Cause once we start, we're good to continue. <laughs> right. Uh, it's why I'm actually a super big fan of group fitness because all you have to do is get yourself there. Yep. The instructor and anybody else in the room is going to get you through the time. <laughs> you just have to show up. That's yep. exactly it. I show up the motivation from what's around. I'm already here and I'll pick up from the energy of everything else going on. And that's what keeps me going. Right. Yeah. But sometimes like we feel like we're waiting to feel motivated. Like, right. It's not really how it works. Yeah. I love, I love that example of the group fitness because yeah, you just, if you just show up, the, the, the right. desired outcome you want will happen. I've been going to the same group exercise c- class for the past 13 years. And I'll tell you that it's a lot easier to go on days where you don't want to go when you've developed the habit of going every time. Right. And when you have people, you know, holding, you know, people are going to miss you if you're gone. And now after going, you know how you feel after you're now motivated to go because of how you feel after. Absolutely. Right. But before ever going, it's really hard to think I'm going to feel good after. Well, they say I'm going to feel good after, but I feel real good right now on my couch, you know, Well, in, <laughs> like, in the context of willpower. I mean, the, the, the class I do is body pump. You can do that in a gym. You can do that on your television. If you, you know, buy the program, I know about myself that if I do the television one in my own living room, I'm not going to get half as good of a workout in Yes, because I didn't go to the actual class. So I think there's, yeah, I really like that idea of, of action comes first. You you know, you, like you said, you have to be careful what action because not all actions are good or helpful. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, I think that that, that could fill your cup because you know what? I never regret going to that class. I never come home and I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't work out today. Exactly. And this is sort of skipping to the punchline of willpower maybe, but And we'll talk about refilling the cup, but in the research, those who use willpower most effectively use willpower to create the habits and the routines that remove the decisions that need to be made. Yes. Ooh. uh Uh-huh. Right. So even thinking, um, we've heard of people like, um, I don't know why I can't think of his name. What's his face from Apple? always wore black turtleneck and jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was President Obama always wore, yeah. you same. know, the blue suit, the same thing. And part of it is reduce the number of decisions that need to be made. 
right? We don't want to, if we're potentially making life and death decisions, we don't want to use up that willpower thinking Mm -hmm. about what's for breakfast or what we're wearing or those kinds of things, right? But what are the, you know, that's not necessarily everybody's every day, right? But so could we use our willpower to set our workout clothes at night, set those out at night? So the first thing we run into Mm-hmm. right? Are those clothes. And then that becomes the first thing that happens. We've set up the pattern. We've set up the routine so that we're not waiting for the motivation, motivation to do the thing. It's part of our routine. It's part of what we do. And then when those moments show up that we really want to, you know, hold it together or some something, you know, God forbid happens that we need to make some sort of really important decision, We have the self-control, we have the bandwidth to be able to not focus from, you know, not make those decisions out of fear and trying to maintain the status quo, but we being able to really look at the situation and figure out what, what we want to do. So it's about using that willpower to set yourself up with routines and habits that happen automatically. Yeah. I like the way, uh, Gretchen Rubin She's yes. a, she's a fellow New Yorker like yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you, are you still, are you a New Yorker? You've lived there a long time. I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm born and raised in Michigan, but I've been in New York for 17 years. Okay. Yeah. You're definitely a New Yorker. I, yeah. <laughs> she, she puts it like this and I kind of the same concept you're saying, but she's like if, in, in the context of, of willpower and habit change, make it really easy to do what you the right, I'll use air quotes, the right thing, the thing that you're trying to your desired outcome and make it really difficult to not do it. Like make it so you have to go out of your way to not do the desired outcome. And I've, I've kind of kept that in my back pocket over the years as I've tried to maybe change some habits. Yeah. And that's the piece of it too, is like recognizing what those things are for us. Mm -hmm. Right. I always say like, with my clients, like nobody wins for making this the hardest. Like, how can we make this as easy as possible? Right. Right. In your grocery store, by the way, the junk food is eye level. Your helpful things are way up high and way down low. Yeah. You could do that in your own house, right? Our best choices are eye level. The more indulgent things require the extra Mm, effort. I like that you know, little things that we can do. Like I have some clients who now eat dinner with sneakers on so that their shoes are already on. And then it's like, I'm halfway to the walk after dinner. Yeah. I like that. Well, so what do you say to the person? I'm thinking of a handful of people that I've worked with who just say, I can't. I can't do that. I can't put my sneakers on. Before. I'm just using this ludicrous. So, example. so yeah. So I always tell anybody replace the phrase. I can't with, I won't. Mm-hmm. We're all more than capable, right? There's nothing about you that is incapable right. of putting sneakers on or that is incapable of going to bed at an appropriate hour we're making a choice not to Mm -hmm. because. So I won't do this because. 
and see what comes out after that. I won't because my shoes are in the other room. Oh, well, now we just have to move the shoes. Right. I won't because I know that I'm going to have all this work to do at night. And so getting to bed at a reasonable hour. Okay. Now we're talking Mm -hmm. about our work schedule Mm -hmm. and maybe we're looking at some productivity tools or some time blocking things or what could we do? Like I have an alarm that goes off on my phone at 1045 every night that says, stop what you're doing and get ready for bed. (laughs) (laughs) So that, but that way it interrupts me. Yeah. Right. Cause otherwise, especially if I'm working on something, I'll, you know, I'll keep going. I'll be like, oh, I could do this. I could do, you know, so it's about how can we make it easier replacing the phrase I can't with, I won't, Mm -hmm. or I'm not willing to because yeah, I'm not willing to put shoes on. I'm not willing Mm -hmm. to eat the healthful choice. I think that goes into like deeper issues that people have usually. Right. And you can kind of, um, Yeah. I I mean, definitely using tools to your advantage. It's really hard to watch TV at night when you have uh, your Wi-Fi on a timer and it shuts off at 10 o'clock. Then you have to go out of your way to turn your Wi-Fi back on, right? If you wanted to watch TV. I think if my Wi-Fi turned off at 10 o'clock at night, my life would, I I don't even know what I would do. (laughs) Well, I was laughing when you said put an alarm on your phone. I have that same exact alarm on my phone. It just goes off at 845. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. But I'm a morning. Um, like, yeah, I'm, no, I would love for, I'm, I would love for it to go at 945 and have me actually take it seriously. But if it goes at 945, I'm just going to completely ignore it. So, uh, yeah. But even thinking about these things, like for, so sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Rest is a big thing that replenishes our willpower mm-hmm. every morning after sleeping. Hopefully we've slept sufficiently. If we've slept sufficiently, right. Talking about quality and quantity of sleep, which I know you guys have talked about before, but talking about sleep, right. That refills our cup. We start each day with a brand new full cup. So if you're somebody where rest is really helpful, then maybe you are one of those people who says, you know what, I'm going to try a nap. Hmm. You know, let's see if that helps. You know, eating fuel (laughs) can help. (laughs) Exercise actually helps increase stamina and can also help us sort of hold out against temptation, even when we sort of have depleted mental resources. Accountability is a huge one, right? So you were talking about the other people at the gym, right, at this class. That accountability, maybe there's somebody you text, right? If there's somebody who's waiting to hear that we've done the thing, that increases our willpower to do it, right? right? It's like replenishing the cup to do the thing. Sometimes like in that, there's a little bit of conversation around like consequences or rewards. I think that is super personal. Mm. You know, for me, like those have never been you know, inspiring (laughs) for me, (laughs) you know, like even if I'm like, oh, I want to like, you know, maybe tighten the reins a little bit ahead of this thing and I'll do the exact opposite. Like it does nothing to, you know, entice me (laughs) at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm with you there. Yeah. That's not a motivating factor for me either. It's that's, 
I had yeah. a tough time in like in the, you know, business work, like working for um, different healthcare companies, they would try to use intimidation as a motivating Ugh. factor. And I was just never afraid of being fired. So like that, that just never worked for me just to motivate mm-hmm. me to, to scare me into doing things. Um, so yeah, I, I, like, I can appreciate that. That's, that's super, a super personal thing, but I'm wondering if you have any um, strategies or ideas for somebody who struggles with willpower and has this external locus of control. And what I mean by that is somebody who doesn't, doesn't take, they're not intrinsically motivated. They don't take responsibility for themselves. If there's something wrong, like if they, if they didn't meet their weight loss goals, it's because of this person, that thing in this event, it had nothing, you know, they don't take any ownership. How do those things intertwine? I love this question. So first of all, backing up the whole study Mm -hmm. of personal development and self-awareness stemmed from this whole understanding of self-control. So it actually almost requires like taking a step back Mm. to understand that these are inherently connected. And that might be the person where the external accountability, the the consequences and rewards, right, Mm. become really helpful. And in that process, understand and demonstrating to themselves that accountability and rewards and consequences are still a function of their action. Mm. Right. So it's a lot about, I mean, I'm a coach, right? There's, there's a function of a coach. I can't do any of this for you. Right. Right. And with your client, you can't do anything for them. You can offer tools, you can offer guidance, you know, but they have to do the things. And in that, it's about understanding a sense of ownership, even with the accountability. So part of the role of a coach then is to set up the structure, right? Set up that accountability, potentially discuss consequences and rewards and remind them that the meeting of the accountability structure right? I'm not texting you. Maybe week one, I'll text you to ask. But after that, it's on you to text me that the thing is done. Mm. Right? And here are the consequences in the or the rewards of what we're working toward. But my actions aren't what's going to make that happen or not. Yeah. And so part of it is a discovery process for, for that particular person, I think. But I think like for that kind of person, I think, like I said, those are the three big things, the accountability and then the consequences and rewards structure to create the framework. So interesting. I know. Speaking of, by the way, distraction increases willpower. So think about the studies on this were like, you've probably heard these studies, like the kids staring at the marshmallow. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like, if you wait, I can't remember how many minutes it was. I don't know if it was three minutes or five minutes or whatever it was, but if you wait, you'll get two marshmallows. Mm-hmm. If you touch it or eat it now, right. You're not going to get the extra marshmallow. 
the kids who played with their shoelaces or looked around the room distracted themselves through the time frame got the two marshmallows. Yeah. So if we're sitting here and even just going with the marshmallows, all we can think about are marshmallows. Like how can we distract ourselves from the marshmallows, right? Listen to something, go for a walk, read a book, yeah, take a bath, right? If we're feeling these things, like how can we distract ourselves through that moment of challenge mm-hmm. where we're trying to use all this willpower, right? Like it doesn't have to be so hard. Walk away from the food at the barbecue. Distract yourself by hanging out with the kids, right? Especially if you're running after a little kid, you need two hands. Like you don't have a hand to be holding onto the plate or whatever it is, right? Right. So distraction could be a big one. Even making a to-do list, get the things out of our head onto a piece of paper and then clearing the list. Like, I think it's, I think it's like psychology that calls these bright lines, right? Like very unambiguous rules, right? Here's the line, we cross it or we don't, right? We have the to-do list, we cross the thing off or we don't, you know? So, and with bright lines, sometimes that's when it's helpful for someone to make rules for themselves mm-hmm. so that it becomes black and white. So. Years ago, I made a rule for myself that I don't eat food that comes out of a bag. Weird, but in my head, chips and crackers and cookies and all these things, even if there was a box inside the box was a bag, (laughs) right? (laughs) I like made this silly rule for myself, but it turned off that internal dialogue. If that thing was really appealing, it was like, I don't eat that. I like that. Right. I lived with roommates for years in, you know, college when I was first, you know, focusing on my weight. And then, you know, even in New York City, when I first moved here, I lived with roommates. And so everybody would sort of have like their area of the fridge or their area of, you know, the pantry or whatever. And in the fridge, that's not my food. A bright line, right? A very unambiguous rule of, Mm that's not my food. In an office setting where they would bring in free whatever, but it was foods that I knew didn't help me feel great. Mm -hmm. And it was, that's not my food. I like that. And the thing that's really interesting about these kinds of things, and it goes toward the motivation and the belief in ourselves, right? Each time we have that line and we stick to it, Our confidence grows. We believe in our future selves. We believe in our in our own ability. And that has tremendous power. Instead of doubting ourselves, we know we can do it because we've seen ourselves do it. So going back to the role of the coach, a lot of times what my role is to point out everything my clients are doing because everything they focus on is everything they're not doing. Right, right. You know, so even going back to that person who has this external locus of control, right? Where can we point out to them where they made something happen and how amazing that was? Yeah, I like that. 
right? And how powerful it can be when they put themselves in that driver's seat. And maybe if we can do that there, then we can do it in other places too. Mm. And by maybe it's yes, but saying it is maybe, (laughs) you know. know. Oh, I love those examples. So how do you, how do you differentiate between, so you've defined willpower as kind of this idea of, of overarching self-control over your thoughts, Mm -hmm. your emotions, your feelings, your impulses. How do you, how would you define motivation? I think motivation is more about desire. Mm, Okay. I mean, everybody has probably, I think their own, you know, definitions, but when I think of motivation, I think of it as like the desire to do the things, whatever that might be. So that right? I'm motivated to do power. the work. Yeah. Yeah. But the other side of it is true too, that the action creates the desire to do it, right? The more we do it, the more mm-hmm. we look forward to doing it. Like your group fitness class. We didn't necessarily have the desire the first time, the same way we have the desire the 2000th time. Okay. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we have to experience the thing first, right? Maybe what gets us to that class the first time is more curiosity rather than motivation, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Experimentation. But I think like, you know, listen, my dad was a motivational speaker when I was in like second or third grade. Really? So- you know, there was this, like, I grew up in these conversations, but I think now the way people really talk about motivation is like lightning to strike and skies part. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, the easiest way is the best way. Right. And I feel like that's really setting us up. Like, I feel like that's not a, that's not at all what it is. Yeah. Right. To feel motivated to do something is about believing in ourselves and the possibility of the outcomes. You know, being willing to try the things or take a risk or do something new where the outcome might be unknown is really more what what happens in some sort of motivational conversation, (laughs) right? But I think all of us are sitting here going, well, I'm just not motivated. Of course you're not because the desire to maintain status quo, right? Inertia is real. An object in motion tends to stay in motion, right? An Mm -hmm. object at rest tends to stay at rest. We're not going to feel like moving or be motivated, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. When we're sitting here. But getting up makes it a whole lot easier to take the next step. And that's sort of, um, you know, Mel Robbins, right? Have you read the five second rule? No, but I know who Mel Robbins is. Okay. So Mel Robbins wrote this book called the five second rule. And it's basically the five seconds between an idea and when the back of the brain takes over. Oh, okay. So back of the brain, like the reptile brain is all of our excuses, all of our desire to remain as is and comfortable and status quo and avoid anything unknown, right? Mm-hmm. 
the front of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, right, is all of our higher order thinking, mm-hmm. all of our delayed gratification, all of our, you know, like I do this and then I do this and that gets me to that, right? So when we have a thought to do something, we have five seconds to take any kind of action toward it before the back of the brain takes over with all the excuses. So, oh, I'm sitting on the couch. I could really go put the dishes away right now. Five, four, three, two, one, just stand up. Hmm. Just stand up right now. The next step is a whole lot easier. If we wait past that five seconds, the back of the brain is going to go, but I'm really comfortable. I could also do it before I go to bed because I'm going to get up to do that anyway. Right. I'm going to be in the kitchen anyway. And our brain comes up with 85 million reasons why we should not do the thing. And it might be as silly as the dishes. No, I I think that's, yeah, I really, I'm thinking about just, I I apply these principles in my own life and maybe just like a slightly different shade of, yeah. but in Gretchen Rubin, I really liked Gretchen Rubin. She had books about, about this topic, um, like happiness hacks, I think. Yes. And her, her idea is like, when you walk in the house, if something can be done in 60 seconds, you don't think about it. You just do it. So like, what's something that can be done in 60 seconds, you hang your coat, you put, you put your shoes away, you hang up your, you know, whatever that thing is. And then you're automatically happier because you don't have to go do that later. And you're not giving yourself that option to say, no, you're like, I'm doing, you know, I think the way she puts it is something that can be done in any time gets done in no time. So yeah, you need to. The other it's that thought, thing of like, we did it and now we believe in ourselves that we could do the next thing because we yes. already did that thing. Yes. Yeah. 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 I really, oh, the, the other thought I had when you were talking about the law of inertia is, and I don't know where, where I heard this phrase. I think I was a kid, but like, if you want something done, ask someone busy to do it. Correct. Has right. always stuck with me. And, and I find that that's very true of the people in my life. Like if I need help with something, I need to find some of my busiest friends and they're the ones that show up. It's the ones that maybe aren't work Like they just don't have a lot going right. on. They cannot because an object at rest stays at rest. Right. And think about it, right? Like the procrastinators out there. Right. We start to get it done because all of a sudden we don't have the timeline anymore. (laughs) Right. It's that same kind of thing where the Mm. more time we have to do something, the more time it takes to do it. Because we give ourselves that time. Right. When we have all the time, we'll use it. The busiest person doesn't have all that time. Right. So they figure out how to check the box. Right there. Yep. Tackle the thing. Get it done. So it sounds like some of your suggestions for people that are listening and kind of struggling with this, you know, how do I apply this to my own life? They can do the five, four, three, two, one principle. Mm-hmm. So in, when you have that thought, oh, the laundry timer just went off. I should go fold the clothes. Just get up and fold the clothes. Five, four, three, two. I mean, even in business, right? We overhear a conversation and we're like, I could really chime in on that, but you know, or we see someone and we like their shoes. We're like, oh, but they don't want to, no, five, four, three, two, one. I love your shoes. Oh, I couldn't help but notice your shoes. Right. Just five, four, three, two, one. Say the thing, do the thing. 
right? And we start to build that muscle of, I can do the things that might be slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and then thinking about too, for anybody listening, like think about the piece where you feel like you don't have willpower. Maybe it's a time of day. Maybe it's around a certain food. Maybe it's around a certain habit or behavior or something you want to do. So identify the thing and then say, all right, what can I do to make it easier, right? How can I set things up? Like if you have a hard time driving past the Dunkin' Donuts, what if you just drove a different way where the Dunkin' Donuts wasn't on the way home, Mm -hmm. right? Then we don't even have to worry about it, (laughs) you know? And then we could also put a post-it on the steering wheel that reminds us to drive the other way home. Yeah. Right. So how many things can we put in place so that we don't have to think about it so that the choice, right. We could just make it easier and easier, but start with the thing that's important to you and then say, all right, where do I need to focus on maybe getting some activity in, in the afternoon? Do I need to go out and go for a walk before I go home? so that I've cleared my mind and I've refueled a little bit. And then I can go home and be around kids who maybe try your patience, right? Or if mornings are really hard, right? Maybe you got to figure out, you know, walking around the parking lot two times before going into the office where you're going to have to make a bunch of decisions, right? Where our kids just, you know, drove us, you know, bonkers and we feel like we're already out of patience, (laughs) right? (laughs) But just identify the thing and then look at a couple ways that you could help yourself make it easier, refill the willpower cup, or use the tools around that particular thing. And because, by the way, don't forget that the multitasking depletes it. So choose one thing and start there, right? Don't choose 20 because that's just going to deplete us. Yeah. Oh, this was so good, Jen. (laughs) Yay. Oh, I'm so glad. I love this conversation. I think people listening have, you know, some real tangible things they can leave this conversation with that will positively impact their lives and maybe help them change a habit that they wanted to change that will improve their lives. Yeah. Um, if you want Thanks. to find Jen, I will have her all of, I have all of your links to all of your things <laughs> in the show notes. Perfect. Um, so if you want to, I highly recommend Jen just had a podcast episode release with Brandy Searcy on the topic of glyphosate. Yes. And I know if you're listening to this, you know who Brandy is and you know what glyphosate is. So definitely check that out on salad with a side of fries. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything, and I'll, I'll connect your social media to your podcast and your gen traffic. Perfect. Anything, yeah. anything I'm missing? No, just uh, please reach out. Like, I love nothing more than hearing from you. So what was interesting? Mm-hmm. What was new? Or what did you hear that just reminded you of something you already know? Like, nothing makes me happier than hearing from you. So please reach out. Yes, I love that. And, and if you enjoyed this episode, um, share it with a friend. Send it to Please. somebody who you maybe, I mean, I feel like we all have your accountability lives, buddy, right? That we, that we share these types of things with, this might be a good, a good episode for them to listen to, to make some, some changes. I think for me, an episode like this is really empowering because it does put the keys back in my hand. You know, it does, it tells me, you know what stuff you, you have more, you have more say in the situation than you think you do. So, and I think it's just realizing we all have the willpower. We're just using it in a different place. 
So mm-hmm. either make that thing easier. So we have the willpower for this mm-hmm. thing or figure out how to make this thing easier. But it's not that we don't have willpower. You don't suck. <laughs> Nobody sucks. No, but that's what people say, right? I suck. I yeah. have willpower. That's so not true. Like you're amazing. Mm-hmm. Go be and do amazing things. And like, you know, use the willpower to your, you know, to your advantage. Let it be a feather in your cap. And coming from two people right now who have struggled with willpower, who have, you know, it's not, we, uh, we are not perfect. <laughs> oh no. You <laughs> are not alone in, in feeling, you know, if you are feeling like if, some, if something you heard today, you had this kind of discouraged thought of, oh, well, I, you know, I would love to have more willpower, you know, like we, we preach to ourselves as much as we preach to other people. So that we are not greater than anybody. <laughs> For real. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I loved having you. Thank you so much for joining me, Jen. Um, Thank you. I love chatting with you. I know. It's like we do this regularly. (laughs) (laughs) That's the word. Pregnancy brain is real, and I do forget words sometimes, like simple words. But, anyways, thanks again, Jen. Well, thanks so much, everyone, for joining us today. I hope you feel like you have some tools to step away from this episode. Um, that you can take with you to help improve your willpower and motivation for behavior change. I've got links to where you can find Jen Trepek, her podcast, her YouTube channel. She's everywhere. Go find her. Uh, listen to what she's got to say. She's She's got some really cool things going on. Yeah, so that's it. Our, we're done for the day. <laughs> Time to go back out in the real world now. All right, everyone, be well and be kind.